0: Thanks for listening to this Waterstone message. Here at Waterstone, our mission is to advance God's kingdom to God's glory. This year during our Advent season, we are digging into what it looks like to be part of a different story. Together we are rediscovering what Christmas is really about through spending less, giving more, loving all, and worshiping fully. We hope this message challenges and encourages you, and we would love to see you at one of our services on Saturday evenings at 530, or Sunday mornings at 9 and 10.30. We also want to invite you to be a part of our Christmas Eve service, Tuesday, December 24th at 1, 3, 5, or 7 p.m. Christmas chaos is fun to watch. I made my annual trip to Park Meadows Mall. I'm a last-minute shopper. Any of you with me? I, like, do it all in one day, like yesterday. And uh, here's what I saw, Christmas chaos. I like to walk by the Santa's house thing and all the traumatized toddlers being sat on Santa's lap. It's especially fun to watch. The parents, watch the parents trying to deal with that. And then I had an extra bonus chaos moment yesterday. I just happened to be walking right in front of the Disney store When, if I wouldn't have stopped, a collision with a little toddler, maybe two or three years old, pushing a stormtrooper carry-on bag on wheels outside the door. And his dad chasing him. And he made 20 feet out of the store before his dad caught him. And uh, the store employee standing at the edge of the store making sure the suitcase got back. Christmas cash. You know, the challenge of Christmas is to... Settle for meaning too easily. Let me explain that. To settle for meaning too easily. We, we pack our lives full these last few weeks. I'm guessing, and I've talked to some of you already before this service, we're tired. We pack so much in. Programs, meals, travel, performances, services. And, and, and it's all good stuff. That's the hard part. It's excellent stuff, and it needs to be done. But the more of it we do, the greater the danger that we move further and further and further from the real meaning of Christmas. We settle for meaning too easily. The meaning of Christmas is devastating joy, inexhaustible peace. Matthew and Luke, in the New Testament, they tell us the story, and I'm guessing that most of us know pieces of the story of how Jesus was born. There's angels, and there's shepherds, and there's Mary and Joseph, and there's Jesus in a manger. But it's the fourth gospel, the gospel of John, where John, one of Jesus' closest followers, tells us the meaning of Christmas. In fact, he puts it into four words. Here's the meaning of Christmas. The Word became flesh. That's what Christmas means. And for just a few moments, I want us to unpack that meaning. The Word. You know, a person's Word is the clearest revelation of themselves. When you came into the room here and sat down, my guess is, at least out of your provisional vision, you you noticed the people sitting around you. You maybe looked at them, stared at them. In fact, I'm going to ask the lights to come up now and just look at the people around you, stare at them, and make your first impressions. We never do anything awkward at Waterstone. Now, you could make your inferences about the people you're sitting near and Some would be accurate, some not. But the best way that you could get to know the people sitting near you, especially if you don't know them at all, would be words. They would speak some words, and you would get to know who they are and what their values are and what they love. In fact, we're going to have a little exercise and do this for just a moment. I'm going to give a pair of words, and uh, then you raise your hand as to which one you are, okay? And you'll get to know the people around you. First word, introvert, extrovert. Introverts, Extroverts. Yeah. All right. Next one. Uh, Beaches and mountains. Beach. Wow. Mountains. Yeah, yeah. For Colorado, for crying out loud. Now, next one. Cats, dogs. Cats. More than I was expecting. Dogs. All right. All right. I was not surprised by that. Next one. Android or iPhone. Android iPhone. All right. Good. So you getting to know the people around you a bit? Next one. And the last one. Democrat or Republican. Uh, just kidding. It only goes so far, especially on Christmas Eve. You see, Jesus came. To be the full revelation of who God is. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Jesus came to put God into words. Now that word, word, the word became flesh, is a Greek word that I'm guessing you've heard about. It's the word logos, or we get our English word logic from it. So understand what John is saying. That Jesus, God's son, was sent to show us the logic of God. Now it's interesting that when God wanted to reveal his heart to us and tell us who he is, he didn't give us a PowerPoint presentation with the three ways to know that God is real and he exists. Or he didn't give us three uh, uh, watertight arguments to know that God is real. What he did was give us a person, his son. Why? Because we're not brains on a stick. Because knowledge can only take us so far. We're actually hearts that yearn for love and significance and relationship. So when God wanted to reveal who he was so that we could have relationship with him, he sent us a relationship, his son, Jesus Christ. And the way he sent him Wow, can we all be impressed with what Christmas really means? If you can understand it, a virgin birth. Now, that's some intellectual reflection, let's say, right? I mean, even Mary struggled with it. When the angel came and said, Mary, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the child you have will be the Son of God, Mary, all of 16 or 17 years old, said, how can this be? Uh, I'm a virgin, which is sweet 16 for, that's impossible. (laughs) Then Gabriel said, Mary, if God's in the mix, what's impossible? What's a Y chromosome to God? Child's play. If God's In the mix, a virgin birth is possible, not only possible, necessary. You see, what the product of the virgin birth is, is a child who is fully God, and thus just one drop of his blood can pay for the sins of the world. His blood is of infinite value. It's God's blood. But being human, he's killable. He could lay down his life. In our place for our sins. The God man. I want us to sit in that for just a moment. Think of it. Mary's maker became Mary's baby. The the God who hung the stars in place, we're told, 10 billion trillion stars. That's 10 with 15 zeros. Put on skin. The God who at the center of our solar system put the sun, which each minute pours six billion quadrillion calories of heat. That's six with 27 zeros. He, he moved into the neighborhood. The God who was infinite and invisible came down and became a single ovum, a fertilized cell. He, he, he came down to get us. He became vulnerable. And he became vulnerable to become close to us, close. Have you been betrayed? Jesus has been betrayed by his closest friends. Are you broke? Jesus was broke, born outside the hotel, in the midst of the marginal. Are you lonely? Jesus was lonely. Are you facing death? Jesus faced death. Do you feel abandoned? Have you been praying something for years and it doesn't happen and it's never whole and it's not fixed? Jesus had a big prayer go unanswered in the last day of his life when he asked the Father if there's any other way we could do this, please Jesus knows what it is to be close in our condition. He had no sin nature, but every other part of fallen world life, Jesus experienced it so that he could be close to us. The word became flesh. Several years ago, I I read a book by Richard Selzer. It's called The Mortal Lessons, Notes on the Art of Surgery. He writes about a surgery that he did on a woman with a tumor in her cheek. He excised the tumor, but in order to get the tumor out, he had to cut a tiny but important nerve which left her face disfigured. He tells about visiting the woman after the surgery in her hospital room. I stand by the bed where a young woman lies, her face post-operative, her mouth twisted in palsy, clownish. A tiny twig of her facial nerve, the one to the muscles in her mouth, had been severed. She will be thus from now on. As a surgeon, I had followed with religious fervor the curve of her flesh. I promise you that. Nevertheless, to remove the tumor in her cheek, I had to cut the little nerve. Her young husband is in the room. He stands on the opposite side of the bed, And together they seem to dwell in the evening lamplight, isolated from me, private. Who are they? I ask myself. He with his wry mouth, who gaze and touch each other so generously. The woman speaks Will my mouth always be like this? she asks. Yes, I say. The nerve was cut. She nods, is silent. But the young man smiles. I like it, he says. It's kind of cute. All at once, I know who he is. I understand and I lower my gaze. One is not bold in an encounter with one like a god. Unmindful of my presence, he bends to kiss her crooked mouth. And I'm so close, I can see How he twists his own lips to accommodate hers, to show her that their kiss still works. What does Christmas mean? Once upon a time, the one who breathed life into dust became dust himself in order to bend low, to kiss a disfigured creation and to breathe hope into his beloved. You see, we see the glory of God by his staggering height and might and strength and holiness, but we also see his glory by how low he's willing to bend to embrace you and me. Peace is what he brings. Tonight, the question is, Are you willing to make room for that Prince of Peace? Are you willing to hold him in your lap, God, a baby? Will you make room? The Bible tells us how. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That's as simple as ABC. Admit we need help. We can't save ourselves. Believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins, rose from the dead to promise us eternal life at home with him, and commit. Faith is always a deep commitment where for the rest of our days we follow him with our highest allegiance. You can do that right now in the quiet stillness of this moment. If we could bow heads, and I'll just say a prayer. And tonight, if you want to have the Word made flesh, God, enter your life and take up residence with you. Just pray this prayer quietly along with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose from the dead so that I could live with God forever. I want to now follow you the rest of my existence. Thank you, Jesus, for moving into my life and forgiving my sins. I'm yours. Amen.